Welcome to Risk Roundup. Artificial intelligence is transforming industries. Now, as the industries across nations undergoes a profound and lasting shift in the relative balance of power, the application of artificial intelligence will offer each industry as many opportunities as it does challenges. The artificial intelligence capability is revolutionizing every aspect of industry and has leveled the playing field and brought each industry an unprecedented possibility of progress. Now, what needs to be seen is whether in the level playing field, how will industries be able to compete and lay a new foundation for lasting prosperity or decline? Today, what is common to all industries is access to technology and information. But what is not common is how each industry uses that information for what purpose and goals. Now, while artificial intelligence has given industries across nations the same starting point in access to AI technology and information, there are many other variables in each industry ecosystem that will determine whether an industry will be able to use the data and information from its ecosystem to develop AI, automate, and transform to succeed. Now, to discuss industry transformation by artificial intelligence further, I'm delighted to welcome Asim Prakash to Risk Roundup. Asim is an AI business strategist and he's based in Canada. Welcome, Asim. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you. Thank you, Jayashree. Thank you for having me here. Wonderful, Asim. So, industries across nations are expected to face extraordinary challenges and changes in the coming years. With automation driven growth as the only constant in those changes, Perhaps in artificial intelligence driven automation, growth means more intelligence from more data and information from all these connected devices that we see across nations and social connectivity and data opportunities and risk. Now, the emerging trends in the AI driven automation reflect significant shift in the players and actions in the AI sphere that reveal the reconfiguration of interests and influence and investments in the AI domain of global business politics and power play. What do you see is happening to, to all the industries broadly, if you speak across nations, because of this artificial intelligence? Well, the, the first thing to understand is that uh, there is nothing new about automation to many industries. You know, automation has been going on for decades um, in many parts of the world and, uh, and also most of the world in some form of automation has creeped into manufacturing for a very long time. So now artificial intelligence coming into operations of business, again, artificial intelligence as an area has been around also for some time, but it has been the area of expertise primarily of academics or research labs. And now it is stepping into the operations of businesses and government. So. So that's one, the first thing. Second thing is that uh, what, it, what is happening now is that artificial intelligence is giving companies a new form of capability that either humans could not do at the same level as artificial intelligence can, or there were cert certain tasks that you couldn't do. So that capability as is becoming available is disrupting industries, just, just like you could buy the next generation of manufacturing machine 
that would disrupt the manufacturing process. And in, as a result, some innovator is going to use that manufacturing machine to create better products or better efficiencies or better costs or better supply chain relationships. The same thing is starting to happen with artificial intelligence. Yes, that's very true. And that's a really good overview, broad overview that you have given. So what do you think is would be the expected consequences of automation for each industry at each level? I mean, irrespective of we are seeing, you know, overall global industries or national or local, because like you said, you know, I mean, automation has been there for a long time, but now it's, you know, slowly, slowly penetrating the operations of the business. So what, what do you see changing? Right. So the first thing is, Jashri, that artificial intelligence is already remaking every job, every functional area, every industry and every business. So anybody out there thinking that this is not going to happen to me or it's not going to happen on my watch or it's not for my industry is not paying close enough attention to where the technology already is and where it is headed. So that is that is point number one. Point number two, when you think about where artificial intelligence is going to affect an industry, there is no one template or one example that applies to all industries. I guess one thing you could say to that could apply to every industry is that now data will become the new capital. Everybody knows the cliche uh, goes around that data is the new oil. So now data becomes the new capital and that in itself changes the entire paradigm of what an industry is supposed to do and what a company's position in that industry is supposed to be. No, that's very true. That's an excellent point because over the years, data has been growing at a staggering pace. And now because of all these new machine learning techniques and the computing advances in computing and data, the growing data, it changes the paradigm, like you said. So how does this new data-driven world reality bring each industry an entirely new world of opportunities as well as risk. Yeah, that's a, it's a very hard to generalize generalize it. So let's let's pick an industry like say transportation because you know there are so many industries that are that touch our lives, retail, healthcare, uh, transportation. So let's start with transportation for example. Uh, transportation as an industry includes actually a lot of sub-industries which are theoretically could be called industries in themselves, whether it is public transit system, whether it is aviation industry, whether it is ground transport, whether it or railways, or whether it is trucking or taxis. Um, you, you know, the whole industry, you could even put bicycles and, and the other form of uh, two wheelers uh, and three wheelers also into uh, the, the entire transportation industry. Now, this is very challenging because every aspect of the industry or every aspect of every sub-industry is going to be affected by artificial intelligence. So Uber is a classic example of how it has disrupted the taxi industry. Everybody, everybody is familiar with Uber. And now the question is that could we now apply the same Uber model to other areas of transportation industry? The answer is yes. The answer is that why can't public transit be made available on an on-demand basis based on data, 
based on where people are clustered or if as as you know around the new year's eve time we just all had new year's eve uh, people are out there enjoying themselves and in many parts of the world public transit on that particular night becomes free and is is operating for extended hours but that is only for the new year's eve or such special occasions why can't the public transit system be data driven demand driven based on and when you just think about just that alone it starts to reshape how that not only that industry will function because the moment you start doing that you have to start thinking about how will we make it happen in theory it is possible but how will we in reality make it happen because no single organization can accomplish all the tasks so now you have to build new forms of partnerships new forms of supply chain and then somebody has to take a lead of doing that again the question becomes who will take that lead will that be an established company that will take that lead or will that be a startup that is going to bring a new form of creating that service using data and artificial intelligence and make it happen yes no that's a great analysis and i i think you are absolutely right about it that new forms of partnerships and collaborations will need to emerge because the whole fundamental operational mode that the businesses and industries had so far was to work in silo i think it no longer can you know uh, be very effective or productive in this uh, ai driven automation world where everything is getting connected so how if you are you know an advisor to any industry what would you tell that industry to prepare how to prepare for the uh, emerging you know ai automation and the impact of ai that's coming their way right so what what are the things that i always tell clients is that in order to let me step back so there are two ways to do artificial intelligence one is that you look at an existing problem in your operation and you talk to your technology folks or the department heads and you say okay let's do something that is let's call it the bottom up approach and that's where most of the artificial intelligence projects are currently being executed around the other approach is a top down approach which i believe every organization should not only start paying attention to but will be forced to pay attention to and the top down approach is what will be the map of my industry in 2025 and 2030 because of artificial intelligence if an organization is not able to answer that question then all the operating efficiencies that an organization might be creating or expected to create through artificial intelligence will be flattened out because competitors will do that and there is going to be new form of competitors who are already coming into your industry and those competitors are going to redefine the map so if you haven't figured out what your map might look like somebody else will do that and those operational efficiencies that you focused on will not give you the competitive edge on the new map that you would expect to get very true that's an excellent point because if we look at the healthcare industry lot of these innovations uh, are not coming from within the industry they are coming from you know entirely new startups that had no 
correlation with the healthcare you know so far so uh, for each industry these are the you know complex challenges and security threats that coming their way because the innovations are not coming from the within the industry it's coming from elsewhere and if you look at the ai growth for any industry it's driven and shaped by many different variables and external factors and some of them could be amplified or influenced by the data choices that they make at you know any level i mean they can access the data global data or national data or local data so as artificial intelligence robotics cloud computing internet of things big data and cybersecurity they loom large on most nations agenda it is important to evaluate the transformative elements that will define the future terrain of ai driven automation for any industry or all industries across nations so how do you see the data impact potential ai growth for industries if we talk about your country you know your nation canada yeah so jashree i think it's not about data that one has to begin with one has to what i say to leaders is that you have to have a vision if you don't have a vision for your country if you don't have a vision for your city if you don't have a vision for your business data is not going to get you anywhere because that vision will define also what kind of data you might actually need because you may have a ton of data but if it is not compatible with your vision then having a ton of data has no value so starting from data is one of the focus areas of a lot of countries and in in businesses but without a vision it's going to get you nowhere so the first step always is the vision but then it goes back to the point we just discussed how do you develop that vision you can't develop that vision if you don't understand what the map of my industry or different industries so if you're a if you're a leader of a nation you have so many industries one of the hardest things for any leader of a nation is which industries do i keep and which industries do i invest in and what do i do with people who are part of the industries that may be getting severely affected and as a result the maps of those industries are changing to a point that it may not be worth salvaging those industries and then what do we do with those displaced people so these are complex challenges and these challenges can only be answered when you have a vision because when you have clearly defined this is where we are going to be in 2025 2030 2035 and these years right now as you and i are talking 2025 of course is around the corner but even 2030 is not very far it's only 12 years out and and 12 years in the journey of a nation those years go by very very fast and uh, they would, those years go by in the journey of any any human being as well right, right. Uh, so 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 it's very important that leaders and their teams sit down and start investing in what is going to be the vision for our company for our city and you know what there is another complexity here which goes back to the point you mentioned about collaboration and the collaboration not just within the industry but collaboration across several tiers of the economy and society so if you're a company and you're trying to develop a vision for your company and you need to understand the map of the industry but the map of the industry is going to be defined to a very large extent by the public policy and the public policy is going to be in the hands of the city or the nation 
because those public policies are going to define what you can and can't do. And by public policy, I mean the new, the existing regulation and the new regulation that are being thought of. So now you need to start collaborating with the city or the country. And the cities will also have to figure it out in collaboration with the national leaders. What kind of industries should we be developing? What kind of investments should we be getting? Because those the national vision is going to define because the national vision is also going to define where the innovation dollars go. Who gets the innovation dollars for what purpose will be defined at the national level. So the cities, companies and national level leaders will have to collaborate very tightly in defining what the nation's vision and how it will all pan out. But it's to your point, uh, Asim, I mean, we rarely see nation, you know, defining their national strategy, especially if you look at the democratic, you know, form of governance in other, you know, countries, another form of governance like communism and, you know, dictatorship, those things are still possible. But in democratic country, we don't, we we don't see that there is a national strategy and that all the components of a nation, that means government, industries, organizations and academia, everybody, you know, uh, fine tuning and uh, uh, redefining the strategy based on the national national reason. And we don't see that in US, we don't see that in Canada or UK or Europe. There is no national strategy. Well, Jeshi, for example, take a look at Japan. So there are some examples that are coming out slowly. Japan has a vision of society 5.0. That's the vision that they call. And what Japan has understood is they've understood that they have they are a nation with the fastest growing population that is aging very rapidly. They're also one of those nations among those nations where the 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 birth rate is declining. And they're also a nation which is an advanced economy uh, by the definitions of what is an advanced economy and what is an emerging economy. So Japan has clearly taken a position where it says that robotics and artificial intelligence have to be a part of our fabric because we have aging population and reduced workforce and yet the functioning of our society and economy have to remain sustainable. So Japan is moving in that direction of bringing robotics and artificial intelligence and making creating a national vision, which they call Society 5.0. Uh, another example is United Arab Emirates. So United Arab Emirates, particularly Abu Dhabi and Dubai, uh, they have uh, the the leaders there have also made this that particularly in Dubai that they want the citizens of Dubai to be AI-driven citizens by 2025. Now, many of these things in the case of Japan or in the case of particularly uh, United Arab Emirates, these things did not happen overnight or in the last few years. These things have been percolating for some time. They have become visible now for two reasons. A, everybody is talking about robotics and artificial intelligence now, and everybody is concerned for the right reasons, and everybody is excited about different opportunities. And the second thing is that Many elements of those visions that those countries invested in are starting to become visible. So, so it is not that uh, countries are not thinking about it, but there aren't enough countries that are thinking about it. And my view is 
that there are only two ways to do it. Either you do it proactively, like many of some of these two examples of countries are doing it, or you will be forced to do something because there is going to be chaos. Yes, no, I hear your point on the concerns and there are concerns emerging. And because of these concerns about AI, AI's potential, I mean, we have to look at, you know, understand the, the security risk that could emerge for that could threaten the very existence of the humanity also, or, you know, the threaten the existence of nations. So there are many, many concerns emerging. So protectionist practices that, you know, we see across some nations and resistance to innovate in the rapidly changing technological environment brought on due to artificial emergence, um, intelligence is also, you know, a reality. So how do you see and where do you see these protectionist practices to AI implementation by industries? You know, in which nation do you see that, you know, there is resistance growing and the industries are resisting to innovate so that, you know, they don't have to uh, be concerned about the uh, survival It's a a great question, uh, Jashree, and I'm thinking uh, as to how to how best to answer it. But when you when you look at I I don't think there is resistance to artificial intelligence or resistance to artificial driven innovation is not yet visible in a way that we can say, look, this is happening. That is happening. This is happening. That is happening. But you will definitely find that people are becoming anxious towards robots or even even though people have existed with automation because robots are on everybody's mind. So sometimes the next generation of automation may be misunderstood or perceived as robots. And so people are starting to react towards it. So there was an uh, incident somewhere in Europe or in the U.S., about some maritime workers uh, responding to some robots. And, and there was uh, a, a challenging situation there. So resistance to artificial intelligence will build up. In terms of protectionist view of it, my view is that this thing, the genie is out of the bottle. And nations trying to control artificial intelligence is is a lost effort. And instead of trying to control, so there are a lot of people who are talking about regulating artificial intelligence. And again, there is not enough understanding about artificial intelligence. There is not enough discussion about artificial intelligence within society, among people, intelligent conversation, not a conversation among the industry elites and other forms of people who understand it and they want to regulate AI to serve a specific purpose. That is the wrong approach to regulating AI. And the right approach is to let artificial intelligence go into the mainstream, let people use it, let people become aware of it, let there be successes as well as failures. Because if you're going to regulate something, we better regulate it the right way. We don't want to regulate it. What would be the right way, Asim? The right way would be the consultations with as many broad people and looking at all types of use case scenarios, both of success as well as of failure. And then again, working 
backwards from what will the vision be? What will the map be in 2025, 2030 for this particular industry, say transportation or healthcare? So what will healthcare look like in 2030? What do we want healthcare to look like? Not, not what technology can do, but what is it that we want healthcare to look like? So for example, you're in the United States, will healthcare become socialized medicine as it is in Canada? Is that the vision that United States may be working toward? If that is the vision, then that is how your public policy and regulation around artificial intelligence in healthcare will have to be driven. But if the healthcare is to remain in private hands, then your regulation for artificial intelligence will also differ than what regulation in Canada will be. So, no. so yeah, I, I hear your point. So we'll have to wait and see what nations uh, decision makers come comes up with. You know how they should regulate, or even if they could regulate. You know, is there any way to effectively regulate AI? It, to me, it seems you know a lot of these emerging technologies are going to be very difficult to regulate in the way the current form of regulations emerge. So we'll have to see what nations decision makers come up with the solution to this. But if you look at uh, the industry's uh, solution and how you talked about, you know, in the beginning about how they all need to collaborate because now it's going to be a necessity. So if we see industries, they currently have, they foster an environment of mistrust and animosity towards each other. I mean, even within an industry or across industries, uh, so irrespective of, you know, if you look at global level, national level or local level, you know, there is a lot of mistrust. So it prevents this kind of mistrust. It will prevent collective approach to data collection and the intelligence gathering. So this raises the possibility of creating and adopting AI policies and practices that are protectionist. So, you know, it again goes back to the last uh, topic that we discussed about how to regulate because all these, you know, variables are going to play a role in that. So how do you see this, uh, you know, mistrust or, you know, impacting the AI strategy for industries at any level? Right. So going back to the data protectionism, I just wanted to add that, yes, there are nations who have for the last several years started talking about data sovereignty. So data sovereignty is gonna be a very big factor in how a nation protects the data of its citizens. Having said that, uh, once you put data, uh, once you give data to a cloud service provider, how do you know where the actual physical server is sitting? Because you think you have given your data to X cloud service provider and that cloud service provider's data center may be scattered in 20 different cities around the world. So your data may be actually sitting outside of totally your jurisdiction in a totally different part of the world that may not even have a data a policy towards data protectionism. So, so there are, you're absolutely right, there are some significant challenges. How do you deal with the question of trust, Jayashree? How do, how do people deal with the question of trust right now in their day-to-day -day life? People work hard in, in communicating. People communicate. People show good faith. People invest their efforts in creating value upfront without expecting anything in return or expecting very little in return. I guess we will have to continue with the same approaches. It doesn't 
the human human behavior is not necessarily going to change around these fundamental things just because we are dealing with artificial intelligence or we are dealing with distrust around data but yes companies and in in countries will have to deal with this issue of whose data it is very true that that is going to be at the heart of the discussion whose data it is and whether even if we look at uh, uh, all the different countries many nations they even lack the necessary digital data infrastructure so uh, there are you know many countries who have good you know infrastructure but there are some countries who don't even have the uh, necessary infrastructure so this lack of digital infrastructure will discourage a lot of opportunities and innovations in ai for those nations and to for them to be included in the global innovation spectrum because their data will not be included so it will make it very difficult to adequately address industry needs living you know each of its industries with outdated information uh, data information and intelligence so there are some uh, nations who are facing those kind of threats so how are industries addressing these digital data infrastructure challenges because if they want to include the data from each and every nation then they, there needs to be the basic infrastructure in each and every nation well it, i mean take a look at what the, uh, this is nothing new to say likes of mastercard or visa payment systems because they have been going around the world for for decades and they have dealt with all types of markets and countries where proper infrastructure for payment processing exists or not so sometimes depending on who the company is so if you want to enter a specific market or if you want to access the data from a specific society whatever your business model says whatever your ultimate vision is within your industry or outside of your industry because don't forget that with for the first time companies also have the ability to not only rethink their existing products and services but to reinvent the business model outside of their industry for new create new industries create new markets or go and step into new industries with the data that you are now collecting because data is not just demographic data the data that is being collected has got so many hundreds of parameters that you can using artificial intelligence can start to connect the dots in very creative ways so going back to how should a country deal with a geography where the digital data infrastructure may not exist again it depends on the company if you are a company that requires that data specifically then you will have to probably follow the same template of mastercard and visa and other large payment systems go invest in the infrastructure and you sign up with the you know the 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 local parties in a way that uh, that serves everybody's interests yes no, i that is uh, something that each nation in their industries will have to start uh, thinking about how to address that now as you said you know the data transformation uh, the ai driven transformation for any industry is closely tied to data and how nations manage their big data capabilities today so policymakers across nation would need to place a strong emphasis on advancing the initiatives to gather more data and information to match the evolving ai landscape so do you see that the successful ai transformation uh, 
must balance enabling innovation while advancing big data you know that uh, decision makers across nations are or industries are acknowledging this fact and you know they're working collectively i mean we talked about that there needs to be a collaborative collective approach but do you see that uh, real time example now that you know nations are working collectively towards uh, making sure that they have the necessary data so that they can enable innovation and you know advance and uh, transform their industries based on that well i mean china is a great example china but then with china one could argue also that chinese system of governance is very different from the system of governance say the nation that you are in or the nation that i am in so but china is a great example of where data is being collected and it's being harnessed and it's being reinvented and reinnovated and as a result uh if you look into why the chinese companies and as a result so many chinese industries are moving really really at a fast clip than rest of the world towards embracing artificial intelligence uh is because of this ability to harness the data collect and harness the data and the incentive to reinvent the data and move forward so in terms of a nation doing it successfully china is definitely doing it successfully and it's not just doing it in manufacturing it is actually doing it across various uh various industries in uh and i sometimes think uh, that the speed at which chinese implementation is taking place it will not be very long where china becomes the lab of the future of work because that's where the real implementation is taking place that's where the real reengineering of work is taking place we'll have to see that time will tell you sure. know if, uh, china is going to lead in that or whether that would be something that uh would uh, benefit the humanity you know in the coming years uh, time will tell about that but each nation has great talent and creative power you know irrespective of whether you're talking about china or india or united states or canada i mean everywhere there is a brain power there is no doubt about that but in spite of that there are only few industries across nations that are expected to benefit from ai so what are the other variables or you know things necessary that are missing within you know many nations that would deny them the opportunity to advance and take ben- you know uh, create innovations that would benefit their nation i'm not convinced that uh, that artificial intelligence is only touching a small number of industries what i am seeing is that there are some industries artificial intelligence is touching a lot more variables and as a result is resulting into a faster transformation so health is one example uh, transportation in terms of uber style transportation is another example you could see some implementations in retail and manufacturing but i would agree with you that there there are many industries where artificial intelligence is not touching as many variables as it is as it is touching in other industries but there is hardly an industry where artificial intelligence is not impacting or will not impact or will not transform it in unrecognizable ways 
Sure. I mean, each nation's AI competitiveness depends on its ability to innovate. I mean, that is the foundation for uh, progress and advancement. While no nation can succeed in all areas and industries, I mean, you know, each nation has their own strengths and weaknesses. It is very important for each nation to identify its collective strength and understand and communicate its national vision. As, as we discussed before, that there needs to be a national vision and values and culture and economic structures, institutions, and evaluate all of these different variables and for the environment for AI competitiveness and innovation. But this requires industries to have a unified approach, which we, as we have been discussing is that not only the industries, but the nations also don't have the unified approach, except that in some you know, nations, we are seeing the beginning of that. So as we go forward, what do you see that would be essential for nations to go further in in terms of like you know when they try to innovate uh, how should they approach the technology or how should they approach the different uh, their system the current systems that they have the education system that they have and uh, innovation system that they have and how should what kind of changes needs to be there for their innovators their young minds you know and their young students and young people to be able to have what is required what that would empower them to be able to innovate and that they are not that ideas and innovation does uh, won't just go you know down the drain so what is that is required by nation because it's just having a technology or just having a data is not going to be enough right and those are excellent points jeshri just going dialing back a little bit so you're absolutely right that every nation will have to figure it out which industries should it take forward? And the point we discussed that if you're a leader of a nation, it's a real challenge. Which industries do I keep and which industries do I take forward? And which industries do I invest and build brand new industries? And these are not easy answers. And going, which then connects with the point you're trying to make that what should the innovators, what should the young innovators, existing and young innovators should do? It, it again goes back to what is the ultimate vision? Because if we don't, just why it is tying all into the vision? Because if you don't have the vision, you can't figure it out, which industries I want to run with, what kind of capabilities do I want? What kind of those capabilities are going to come from artificial intelligence and from my human? What will be the economic design of my society? And as a result, how will people be employed? What will people be employed for? And how will people remain successful in those employment? What kind of social fabric do I need to build? Which means what kind of skills do I need to create? What kind of an education system do I need to build? And then ultimately, how do we tie it all together? Because we can have the best vision, but the way the politics works, politics can defeat the best of the intentions. So. Very true. Now that a lot of things will need to change how we operate, how we govern, how we manage. Uh, that goes without saying because these emerging technologies are necessitating a need for change. You know that are uh, the current way of doing things uh, is simply you know not uh, effective anymore. And as we have been discussing, I mean most AI innovations will create competitive advantage by 
perceiving an entirely new market opportunity or by serving a market segment that others have ignored, as we have seen in the with Uber, as we have seen with you know healthcare, you know innovations that are emerging. So when traditional competitors are slow to respond in largely mature industries, such innovations in AI will yield great competitive advantage. So what threat the current industries are facing from AI and are they preparing to innovate from within as we have been you know talking uh, in many different you know uh, segments of this that you know the, the innovations are not going to come only from within the industry it will emerge from outside the industries and uh, the strategic you know security or the even the thought leadership on what threats are emerging their way or coming their way by businesses, you know, by industries, they are not focusing on the strategic security risk. They are more focused on operational risk, legal risk, and compliance risk. Where and very little attention is given to the what I new ideas, new innovations are emerging from across nations that would bring a threat to not only their business but their industries also. So, do you see this kind of thought leadership emerging where they start thinking about the strategic securities or where the you know innovations are emerging and where who is keeping an eye on that? I just don't see that. Right. So you're, you're right. Innovation is nothing new to corporations, but the speed with which they need to be moving right now, that doesn't seem to be the case across the board. There is still a lot of we'll get to it when we get to it, or there is a lot of inertia within the way the culture of an organization is, uh, is operating or has been functioning. And Absolutely, organizations will need to figure it out. How do we tie it all together? Where the next innovation is coming along? I've shared this with many of my clients in consulting as well as in public speaking, where I've said, do you know who, which part of the world your next competitor is emerging? And what that competitor looks like? Because another very important point, uh, Jayashree, for, for this conversation is, that unlike, if you look at the recent history of technology, unlike any other innovation, any other development, artificial intelligence is one technology that is developing simultaneously across the world. It is no longer in the hands of the Silicon Valley. It is no longer in the hands of a, speci a specific culture. It is developing all over the world and developing very, very rapidly. A point which you just mentioned earlier, that every nation has got a lot of very intelligent, innovative minds. And now the access to these tools are available very easily. So now if artificial intelligence is developing all over the world and you are a company, do you understand where your next competitor is emerging? Because startups are not after your lunch, the old cliche. What startups are now after is to redefine your core competency. Because they're, they're, startups have experienced that the, they can be locked out of a room where the lunch is being served. But if they go after your core competency, then they have a better chance of succeeding against you. Yeah. And let me, give you, let me give you a very specific example of that. So there is a tiny startup in San Francisco. It just happens to be owned, uh, a, a lab, which just happens to be owned by another tiny company called Amazon. Um, and what that lab has done is, and this is just in the prototype stage, what that lab has done is by just taking a look at a bunch of pictures, it can predict the next fashion trend. Mm -hmm. So now if you're Zara or 
H&M or for that matter, any other company. And if you're not aware of that this development is taking place, or if you're not aware of other startups who are looking at the Pinterest pictures or the Instagram pictures, and as a result, predict the fashion trends. And if you're not aware of IBM Watson taking the pictures of the celebrity uh, events and turning it into uh, pictures that other people can share socially, then you're not going back to your point. You're not paying attention to all the developments that are taking place inside your industry. And Amazon may not be on your radar because Amazon is not a fashion company, but somebody inside your operation must be paying attention to who are these companies and why are they investing in this, in these products, in these, uh, in these solutions? Yes. Very true. Those are uh, the big questions that uh, and big, the trends that everyone needs to be aware about. So having said that, uh, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your initiatives and what you are trying to achieve with uh, uh, as you try to uh, help the your clients and industries that work with you about the transformation using AI? What would you like to tell the young minds especially? Uh, where they should focus and what they should be doing in the, for the, in the coming tomorrow for the benefit of their nation. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do my plug uh, about the work that I do. Very quickly, just a couple of thoughts, really. First of all, every job, every function, every industry, every business is going to be remade, is being remade by artificial intelligence. So don't stay complacent. Don't stay... Uh, of the view that this is not going to happen to you. It's already happening. Probably you're not aware of it. Number one. Number two, start rewiring yourself with the new knowledge, with the new mental construct. And that's why, as we discussed earlier, uh, I have created this program called MBA in Artificial Intelligence, an executive training program that allows executives and the leadership teams to build a new mental construct so that they can build a vision and they can strategize. Third, start innovating the future because if you're not innovating the future, artificial intelligence will redefine it for you anyway. So you still have the opportunity to start looking at these technologies like artificial intelligence and start figuring it out. How do I connect the dots in a way that I remain successful in the future? Those are some of the things that I will share with your listeners as to how they should start thinking about uh, artificial intelligence now and tomorrow. And perhaps if they're interested in one of the offerings, which I've just mentioned, uh, I'll be happy to help them as well. Great. So thank you so much, Asim, for participating in this roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on industry transformation using AI. And I'm sure our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you provided today. So we thank you for that. Thank you, Jayashree. Wonderful. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology convergence, and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. 
the belief that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup webcast or listen to the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jay Shree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.